You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I should probably edit out the part where I'm just rambling and exposing my ignorance. <laughs> just um, makes it natural. It's, it's what I do. It's honest. It's what I do. I feel like who art ed? Try to spice it. Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Great start. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Kyle. I am so glad. Um, and I, I love that you brought me an artist that I really was not familiar with. Today we're going to be talking about Carl Larsson, who is a Swedish painter. I should say was a Swedish painter. Uh, he lived from 1853 until 1919. He was part of the arts and crafts movement. And you were telling me um, how you encountered him. You said you had uh, relatives from Sweden, like your right. parents or my, grandparents? My grandparents, yeah. Your my, grandparents came from Sweden. My mother's parents came from Sweden, right. And my uh, my grandfather grew up on a family farm. So yeah. when I look at these pictures, I, you know, imagine, you know, well, maybe this was like what it was for him or, you know, this was maybe something that he did or... Yeah, so it's a little bit of like your cultural background. Right. And I was not aware, like, he's pretty big in Sweden. Oh, he's huge. Not, yeah, he's a national icon. Yeah. Um, not as well known. I mean, people, like, I had heard the name, but I was not, like, super familiar with his his work. But um, in Sweden, much, much bigger than he is out here. He's like the Swedish Norman Rockwell. Right. And it was right. cool to get to read about him and, yeah. and learn a little bit more. Well, and what we're mostly familiar with here in the United States, people who are aware of him, are his pictures of, or the paintings that he did of his home, his children, mm -hmm. his the farm life. But, you know, in Sweden, in various different churches and schools, there are the huge murals that he painted for those places that are still there. Now for our in situ segment. It just gives us some context. It's about the artist and where this came from. Where this all came from. He was part of the arts and crafts movement, which started in Britain, and it was big in Europe and North America about 1880 to 1920. And as the name would imply, it's focused heavily on traditional craftsmanship. And it was essentially sort of anti-industrial. Mm -hmm. Like we think of that you know, late 19th, early 20th century, that's the Industrial Revolution. Right, right. And when I say it's anti-industrial, I think a lot of people have this misperception of the arts and crafts movement, very similar to the way that people misperceive the Luddites as being anti-technology and anti-progress. Mm -hmm. And really what what a lot of their their problem with industrialization and mechanization was the way that the machines were being implement, mm -hmm. implemented. They wanted them to be done, um, they wanted higher quality craftsmanship instead of poorly produced, mechanized, you know, 
cheap, right. mass-produced garbage. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they wanted it to have, like, the idea was master craftspersons um, handling the machines and mastering the machines. And so there was a lot more ev- um a lot more emphasis on craft, but not necessarily a complete rejection of mechanism, mechanization. Right. Just displeased with the right. way it was going. Well, and I think for Carl and for his wife, Karen, as well, because she was an artist, too, yes. I think it really was um, a way for them to personalize their home. And I think it also celebrated, especially for Carl, um, perhaps a lifestyle or a feeling of home that he missed growing up. He grew up in the slums of Stockholm, and it wasn't until he went to Paris to study art where he met Karin, who was also studying art there, and they married. Um, You know, and they lived in Paris for a while before returning home to Sweden, where they were given kind of this rundown place by her parents to live. And so it was really their opportunity to make their home out of this that they'd been given. Yeah, and that leads me into the biographical information I was going to share because as as you mentioned, he's known for these pictures of just wonderful domestic life, his home life and his family. But growing up, he didn't have that. He was in the slums and from what I've read, um, you know, his mother worked very hard to make ends meet. I think she was doing um, laundry work mm-hmm. to make ends meet while his father got sort of odd jobs here and there, but was prone to vices, from what I understand, Mm -hmm. drinking, and he did not treat Carl Larson very well. Mm -hmm. He, um, you know, screamed at him, cursed at him, and and things like that. And I I have to imagine that informed his work and the way he wanted to be with his own family. He wanted to break that cycle, and he is creating that, that home life um, for himself with his family, and also then he used his family as his models for his paintings, right. and you know just celebrating his family at the core of it. And I, I have to think that that childhood experience was very much formative for him and his whole outlook in his approach to his work. Right, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. And you know, um, Swedes are often um, thought of as as being very melancholy people. And, you know, the darkness of a large part of the year. But so one of the things that's always struck me about his paintings is how much joy there is. You can just sense the joy in the pictures, whether it's, you know, a, a painting of something that actually is a celebration or it's simply a chore that he has recreated, you know, in the painting. Mm-hmm. There's still joy in that in that work effort. And um, so I just, that's something that's always spoken to me as well about. Yeah, that's what struck me about it too, is it's, there's, there's this softness to it and there's this sort of like slightly whimsical, but it's not fantasy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It is this joyousness. Mm-hmm. And even in the, the small things, which I guess we'll get to later in the next segment, but he is very much just, it. it's these quiet moments, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really nice because I, I think of, uh, as I said, I compare him to sort of the Swedish Norman Rockwell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except with Norman Rockwell, I think a little bit more of... Um, you know, I think of like that Thanksgiving feast. Mm-hmm. I think of like the town meetings and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's showing these, he's showing these quiet moments that go 
unobserved, the minutia, right. but celebrating that yeah, he, in a he lot of ways. Yeah, he elevates the ordinary. Yes, elevating, wonderful way of, exp- of, of expressing that. He's elevating the ordinary. And I think part of that probably is because, as you said, his wife was also an artist. She was an interior designer, mm-hmm. if, I cor- if I recall correctly. The two of them met in an artist colony outside of Paris. Right. Um, er, uh, I almost said Eric Carl. Uh, <laughs> Carl Larson was, uh, he went to Paris for a while and he really struggled as an artist. He didn't fit into the impressionistic scene. He mm-hmm. didn't like the somewhat radical approach that they were taking. And, you know, to us today, mm-hmm. the impressionists seem as mundane and as safe as it could be right. for an artist movement. But really right. at that time, it was a drastic radical departure to have those loose dabs of colors. It was mm-hmm. scandalous. The name impressionism actually even comes from a, a critic who who said these aren't real paintings, these are just impressions as a way of, it was derisive. Right. It was putting down the movement. Uh, Carl Larson just didn't see himself in that movement. He didn't. He didn't see himself applying paint in that way and stuff like that. Right. But there is a little bit of the spirit of the impressionism, which because impressionism was so much about that sort of the, the moment, everyday life, the everyday, the everyday life, the, the everyday man. Yes, it was very much about the those fleeting moments mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, Carl Larson's work really does capture a lot of that in um, just the domestic sphere, particularly from what I'm seeing. Absolutely. Well, and when you think about, you know, so much of, you know, art from just before the Renaissance and during the Renaissance time, so much of the art that was created was for the church. Mm -hmm. And for, if not for the church, for some sort of, you know, public edifice. And from that, it kind of morphed into really... um, celebrating or showcasing somebody who was somebody in power at the time or some wealthy person, you know, the patron of the artist. And by the time the Impressionists came along, it really had become something where they said, no, you know, there are all these other people that are living their their lives and their lives are important to them. Let's show some of that. Let's show some people, you know, working on the boats. Let's show some people who are behind the stage, you know, in the dance hall. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I think that, you know, it was part of that sentiment that Carl Larson brought back to Sweden and except he focused it on then what was closest to him and nearest and dearest to him, his home and his family and farm. Yeah, and and absolutely, and and again, it's one of those things that I feel like it's coming full circle because I, I think it's no coincidence that the impressionist movement was also happening at that time, of industrialization and mass production mm-hmm. and things becoming more available to everybody. Mm-hmm. It was no longer so labor intensive to make various things, including something as simple as paint. Like we don't, we don't necessarily think of this, but the tube of paint was. Um, it was a 19th century invention. Right. You know? Right. And um, there were advancements in mass production because um, when we think about something as simple as like blue paint, used to be artists would have to go out and gather lapis lazuli stones, grind them into yeah. dust, and then mix it with an oil or, an, or another binder and, and um, dilute it to, to let it flow. And then, you know, there were advancements in chemistry around this time mm-hmm. that made those paints and those pigments available to 
everybody. Mm -hmm. And the the artists were celebrating that fact and using it very liberally. But again, the arts and crafts movement, moving a little bit away from that mechanization and enjoying the craftsmanship, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they were a little bit right to be skeptical of some of that mechanization and the industrialization process. Because an interesting fact, a lot of people don't necessarily know this, um, there was a Swedish chemist, uh, Scheel, I think his name was. Yeah, Carl Scheel. He created this vivid green, vivid green pigment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was 1775. It was called Scheel's Green. Very, very popular. It was used on all sorts of different things. It also killed some people because it had... Um, it had arsenic yes, in, yes. in the pigment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think people were a little bit right to say, not all of this is great progress. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, and so th- I always think of that in terms of, like, the arts and crafts movement is they, they embraced the good aspects of, process, of progress and industrialization, but they were a little bit skeptical of it and wanted mm-hmm. it implemented well. Um, ironically enough, uh, one of the leaders of the arts and crafts movement was um, one of the people who was advocating, saying, oh, that arsenic in there is not a big deal. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the second segment now, okay. which is our in-gallery segment, where we're okay. just going to talk a little bit about the piece. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Now for our in-gallery segment, we're going to have a discussion looking more carefully at one piece. The piece we are looking at today is The Kitchen from 1898. It is one of his watercolors just on the surface, like literally what's in front of us. I see a kitchen, I see uh, two two female figures sort of central in the composition. Do you, do you want to mm-hmm. talk about like what are you seeing connections? Sure, right. Well, and when I look at it too, yes, I think right away you're drawn to um, the two girls in the center and of course um, the older girl, which was his oldest daughter, Suzanne, she's got a red blouse on. So right away you see that red, you see that pop of red. And then that kind of draws your eye to the red chair that's in the lower left-hand corner. And then there's um, some meat that's on the shelf there um, above that. So there's red. So And then you look around and you see the copper pot. So my eye just gets drawn to all the different red and then to the green. And 
with Carl Larson paintings, that's what they're full of. They're full of red and green. And I mentioned before about Swedes kind of having a, uh, a lot of people thinking, oh, well, they're kind of, you know, depressing or, or melancholy. But um, one of the things that Swedes love color. And mm -hmm. so they, they, it's in, you see it in their clothing. I mean, if you look at, you know, Nordic uh, sweaters, but so you, you, they always bring uh, color into their homes. And also there's always something that is uh, from outside from nature. So you look, there are um, two different plants. There's one in, in the corner and there's one in front of the window. Um, sometimes if there's not plants, there might be um, some pine cones or, you know, some rocks. There's always some bit of nature that they bring in from the outside. Yeah. And as I look at this, this strikes me as just, it feels very quaint. It feels, it feels a hundred years ago and not, not the elaborate, like Victorian, mm -hmm. you know, super mm -hmm. ornate. This seems like it is sort of middle class, the average mm -hmm. person, because of the style of, of clothing that they're wearing, because the walls seem fairly plain, it looks, you know, I see vertical stripes on the walls. I don't know if that's a simple striped pattern of wallpaper or if that is vertical slats for boards and things like that in, in the way that it's designed. I see a barrel in the corner. As you talked about, there's that red on on uh, her shirt as well as on the chair and mm -hmm. the chair the the slant of that chair actually like points us towards her just like the slope of the carpet points mm -hmm. us towards her mm -hmm. the slope of the shelves points us towards her everything is sort of angled towards those two girls right even the the swaying of the curtain but the window is open and so you can see and that the the breeze yeah, the is breeze blowing, is in blowing towards her everything is going towards those two mm -hmm. girls and and it feels to me like it is the kind of thing of like just the big sister helping the little. Exactly. You know? Right. Doing a and simple it, chore, churning the butter. And and what I like about this is, you know, at Highlands we talk about our philosophy of heroes choose kind. Mm -hmm. And when an artist chooses their subject matter, they are elevating that subject matter. They are saying this is a moment that is worth preserving mm -hmm. on the canvas or on the paper or on, you know, whatever ground mm -hmm. they're working, but they're preserving it. They're saying this is something that right. other people need to see. And what we're seeing here is just two girls in the kitchen, mm -hmm. the older helping the younger. You know, it's the, it's the kind of thing that a lot of us miss, but it's those little moments that a lot of us miss that really matter. Right. That's what makes up life right. exactly. is those little moments that go that go unnoticed and and you know Larson is elevating that mm -hmm. for for us. He is showing us that that's that's what's important. Mm -hmm. That's the focus of his career is all those little moments around the house with his family. And I think that is something that's that's really like that's what yeah. I take from this is he is elevating domestic life and the importance of family and the importance of family that helps each other, that looks out for each other, you know, finding ways to celebrate and be happy and content in, in those things. Right, right. And everything around the, the room, you know, is something that the family created, the family uses, the, the rug more than likely was woven by Karin, the cloth that's draped in front of the table where the dishes are drying, probably also woven by her. Yeah. And um, 
And I think it all feels very unified. Like I, I noticed that the, the cloth across the back, um, like shelving or counter space or whatever that's that's draped down like a like a like a tablecloth. It mm-hmm. seems like it's matching the pattern that is on that that floor runner. Right. Um, almost everything has this sort of unified, slightly warm neutral color mm-hmm. scheme. Mm-hmm. Everything seems fit together. It fe- it feels very calm and peaceful. Like everything is right. sort of vertical, horizontal, slight, like 45 degree angle mm-hmm. of the rug and, and the chair, but almost everything else seems at rest. Like you said, there's like a gentle breeze coming through the window. It all seems very just peaceful nice mm-hmm. you know like oh i'd like to be in that kitchen i would like to be in that kitchen <laughs> uh, so i always like to end this segment by just sharing like if you could take this out of the galleries mm-hmm. where do you think you'd put this where does this piece belong oh this piece i want in my kitchen <laughs> i absolutely want this in my kitchen you know, a red and white kitchen with, you know, my copperware shining, you know, on the walls and different pictures of Carl Larson's home life, family life. Yeah, I similarly, I mean, he was so much about home and family and domestic life. For me, this just, what this reminded me of is my own home life. Like my, my mom always had patterns and ornate things on on the dish towels in particular mm. they would she would change them out almost weekly you know mm-hmm. to go along mm-hmm. with whatever season it was whatever holiday was coming up and stuff like that and this to me is the kind of thing that like i would love to have this printed on like a dish towel yeah. or something like that oh, i'm sure you, you know can find I'm it saying? i'm sure it, you it can find it like, somewhere <laughs> or or like on a throw pillow or something like that because it, it just it feels like it should be in the home in something that is just that is useful, mm-hmm. that is practical, um, maybe something that's comfortable. Like I say, like a like a like a throw pillow or right. something like that. Right, or a know? or a tray, you yeah. know, a serving tray. Yeah, absolutely. And now I think we're going to shift to our final segment, which is the in studio segment. In studio segment. In studio. Think segment. about what strategies are working. Take it. Good Take artists. It your own. Copy. Great artists. Just go ahead, steal this and art. make it your own. These are the takeaways. This is what you can apply to your own work. What advice would you give someone who is making art based on what we can learn from Carl Larson? You know, I think it's the same advice that uh, authors give to aspiring writers. You know, they always say, write what you know. And I think for uh, people who are creating any kind of artwork, make what you know or what you want to use or you know something that is either beautiful or useful for you you know i mean william moore said have nothing in your home that is not either beautiful or useful and i feel like carl larson captures that beautifully in his own home hundred percent hundred percent and you are just so much appealing to the modernist in me (laughs) um i would i would along those lines i think making stuff based on what you know your experience is great. I also think find the good in that. Mm-hmm. We have enough mm-hmm. bad out there. Right. Find the good in it. Find right. those quiet moments that are just, that are calm, that are peaceful. Find what is soothing to you, mm-hmm. you know? Because that's, that's just a more enjoyable process for you as the artist, but also for the viewer. Right. Like, think about what, what do you want them to take away? Um, you know, what are you putting out in the world? Try to 
try to put something good out there. Right. That's what we need. I just wish more people knew about them. I just think uh, the art is, is wonderful, and I think that um, it gives a picture into what late uh, 18th century or 19th century, early 20th century agricultural life was like, um, whether it was in Sweden or, you know, here, you know, on the plains in the United States, there are certain elements that were very much the same. And they still are. I mean, we look at the arts and crafts movement that's hugely influential on, like, my my home is Ikea. Everything okay. in my home is Ikea. I love Ikea, yeah. the modular. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you've got those rustic elements. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. when I redid my kitchen, we put in the farmhouse sink. We put right. in, like, real butcher block countertops mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. because it gives it that... that earthiness that that is timeless right um and you want to look for traditional elements whenever you're updating something you don't want to throw away everything everything right you know exactly find the good right find the things that you think are going to be timeless find the things that you think are useful or you know to be beautiful Mm -hmm. and keep those get rid of everything that's superfluous um Superfluous is another word for yeah. unnecessary. <laughs> but um, another thing I'm noticing in here, as I look at his kitchen, there's nothing superfluous. Right. It is, there, it everything it, has a use, has a purpose. Everything has a purpose, but it doesn't feel austere. Right. There, you know, there's not a lot of excessive decoration happening, even though he was a he was a, a an artist and his wife was an mm-hmm. artist they were both artists and they were both focused on their home and still it wasn't over the top there right. wasn't excessive decoration they they had that critical eye to revise it down mm-hmm. to bring it down to just what is necessary and i see that in his work and that's i think why his work is a breath of fresh air there's a softness mm-hmm. to it um because it, everything doesn't always have to be cranked up to 11. Sometimes right. less is more. Definitely. To steal from another right. modern, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to share? Um, right. No, I, I think don't. we covered a yeah. lot. Yeah. I think that was good. Okay. Thank you so You're much welcome. for taking the time. And thank uh, you for pleasure. showing me another artist that I... Yeah, my pleasure. I, had to I go love to way back to in, introduce my, in my memory to... to to Carl Larson or, you know, anything, anything that's Swedish. So it was always a big part of my growing up. So Swedish designers, they're great. More than Ikea. (laughs) I think it is. Yeah. Although I do love Ikea. Yes.